Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed, but not read, by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And we find ourselves once more amid the towering stacks of your library, the endless rolls of books, the piles of well-organized tomes marked by the uh, uh, the Dewey Imperial System. And the shelves of liquor. Sorry. Hi. Good morning, Kaki. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There, like I've been avoiding those. It sort of feels like, yeah, um, like, like drinking seawater. It's, it's one of those mornings. It's one of those. It's one of those uh, like Cosmo at ten a.m. morning. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is actually kind of a problem. Come with me, because do you remember how uh, a few weeks ago I told you that I was building a, a, a visitor center as as kind of a uh, oh in the, in, in the Star Wars launch pod. Okay, so right at the top of the episode, oh, sorry, you've already been like, starboard. Do you remember how we were not going to say Star Wars oh, at all? Oh, in the starboard launch pod. <laughs> oh, you mean in the starboard launch pod? Launch pod? I didn't know that there was a, the launch. Ne- 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 never mind. Okay, no, fine, fine. I'm I'm quite accustomed to ignoring it. It was at the time where I hadn't yet seen a, a, a Vilibraptor, and yeah. I was looking, and before I knew about the glue traps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd Your build. Your skin's a, growing back nicely, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the bookworm liver poultices mm. have really been uh, uh, been doing the job, um, and the oh, and the hoisin sauce. Oh, good. Yes, that, I've been. I've been nourishing it, myself. I didn't know it had medicinal qualities. Well, it's mostly the 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 nourishment. Um, the, oh, okay. the the, right, the many yes. ducks, if you recall from mm-hmm. last week's. Um, Bloodbath. I built a, a, a sort of pretend visitor center. It was more of a book fort uh, as a as a. I, I, I like book forts. I approve of those. Yeah, right. And and it was as a way to uh, to try and trap a Vilibra raptor. But mm. as as we both know, I've I've befriended. Queen I was going to say they uh, seem to be like eager to come at you these days. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've figured out the the correct body language, so I don't even need to uh, deck myself in feathers anymore. It doesn't like holding your head steady while moving the rest of your body give you a massive crick in the neck. Strangely, it's all in the hips. You'd think shoulders, hmm. but it's all in the in the hips. You wiggle that about and you do the you know, you know the, the hokey elbow pokey. arm flag. The hokey pokey. I'm pretty convinced that our ancestors used the hokey pokey to uh, ah, infiltrate their their Velociraptor colonies. Yeah. We've always been told that the dinosaurs went extinct, but there are birds. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. The dinosaurs ever, didn't go extinct. Just, just Google picture of a baby heron. Oh, yeah, he's all soaked. It's, a, it's just this, it's this just, monster. It's, yeah, it's just like this little, tiny little hand-sized pterodactyl. And it's just- so now that I've grown, grown comfortable among my new Velibraptor family, and we're, we're getting along well... Um, they they appreciate that we can share a meal of duck. I cook mine with hoisin sauce, and mm. they just they just tear theirs apart. Once yeah. I defrost them in the microwave of your uh, cafeteria, very good a, a cantina. One might almost mm. say risking. Yes, yeah. as long as you don't mess with the uh, distilling apparatus behind the bar, then it should be okay. Uh, I haven't so far, but I've got to say, is just, is just, is that why you're in the condition that you're that you're in right well, now? Well, it's more like the after effects of the. Cause blending. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, it's like a, a knock-on bit. effect. I yeah, think it's one of those like morning after the night before things. So um, I've taken the opportunity. A few weeks ago, I also like um, did a bit of theatre with my new library after family, yes. and we and we reenacted. Once I gained access to the kitchen, uh, I reenacted the the kitchen oh, yes, raptor yes. scene from Jurassic Park. So I've been reading the um, the novelization of Jurassic Park, the film based on a book. Oh. I found it in the yeah. I found it in the section. You have a very large section of books that are novelizations of films that are already based on books. Right. And yes. Very good. That's it's, why it's, got, it, I keep them separate for a good reason. I thought it was just like an organizational thing, a part of the yes. Dewey Imperial system. It's the lesser 
underread section of the library. That's honestly fair. Um, I mean, these like novelizations of films based on books are very often for younger readers, and your library is not a child-friendly place. Like, well, no, yeah, I mean, no, I suppose the, not. But the various pits and trapdoors are easy to jump across if you have long legs, like I do. Yes. So, well, you know, that's like not the areas that younger people would be allowed into anyway. I mean, they're like being the public area of the library. Not is it a public area with other people? I haven't seen other people other than you in so no, long. No, that's hey. correct. There's a public area of the library. Yeah, space and time have been weird lately, haven't they? That's libraries for you. That is... It's books for you in general, actually. They have that thing yes. where they like time just like... Uh, especially when the... you're sitting in bed going like, oh, I'll just like finish this paragraph. And then three hours later, you look at the clock and go like, huh, how did that happen? Yeah. And it's like, I have, to, I have to get up in three hours. And it's like, oh, bugger. Well, I'll just finish this chapter. What works for me is to finish the chapter and read the, read the first page of the next one. Okay. Because then my curiosity from where is it going is satisfied. And I have like an idea of how the... All right, go, where the author is going to take the next part of the story. Yeah, yes. and I can be curious and interested in that. But I could also try to like model it in my head. And that, that'll, that'll, yeah, that leads to... Nice bizarre dreams sometimes. Oh, very good. So, so no, hold on. I, oh, I was going to, I was oh, going to tell you about this visitor center. Oh, sorry. That I've yes, been, that I'm very, very proud of because please, please it's do. no longer just a just a book fort, but mm -hmm. um, based on the descriptions in the the novelization of Jurassic Park, the film of the book. Yes, I've kind of gone all out now. Uh, there was a there was a recycling pile that I saw, and I helped myself yes. to those uh, those old magazines and newspapers oh, that yeah, we had. Good. So that's fine. Yeah, exactly. And it turns out that you can uh, um, that the Libraptors they 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 hawk up some some pretty vicious bile, but it makes for excellent paper mache. So behold, my paper mache replica of the visitor center from Jurassic Park, the film of the book. Oh, fantastic! Are bum, there bum, 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 bum. Oh no, that's Lord of the Rings. How does the Jurassic Park? It's a dinosaur. Da, da, da. Yes. And, the, and, the, and the doors open, and look, I've got the spiral staircases, and I've even managed to, like, slightly translucent. It's a, it's a picture of a, a, a Gallimimus, and I'm, I'm very proud of what I've accomplished here. Gallim what's a Gallimimus? Gallimimus is a Vegisaurus, Lex. Vegisaurus. Oh. It's a quote from the, the book of the film of the book. Oh, fantastic. That's why I'm also wearing this, uh, uh, this white paper mache suit. It's very I was uncomfortable. About that. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. It must be chafe a little bit in the delicate areas. I don't really have delicate areas anymore. Well, you live with you live with Velociraptors long enough, and they all have beaks, and you just yeah. don't. You don't. How, how are the Velociraptors taken to the visitor center? Uh, it, it was a, it was tough going are, at first. Are they, they, are they paying customers? Have they figured out the tills yet? Okay, yeah. So you do have much more experience with Velociraptors than I do. I was expecting them to sort of run and, and rampage through it, which is which is cool. Which Mangle is kind the, of the buffet line, like, uh, as yeah. like you know tourists are wont to do. Exactly, but uh, uh, no, they they very quickly like they discovered aprons. They really like aprons. Oh, they're supposed to like, colorful. They they are, but they're 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 super like theatrical. So they really enjoy like playing these roles. Ah, making a little show, standing in line, elbowing yes, each other. It's yes. like, I suppose that they do not deal very well with someone trying to cut in line. Oh no! Oh That's no! That's like extra protein for the buffet line when that happens. <laughs> That's usually when a duck sort of wanders uh, in, thinking, well, like, "Is it safe yet?" Oh, those poor well, I, the thing with ducks is I find that their opinion of me generally is very dependent on whether I have bread or not. You know, you shouldn't feed them bread. Mm, I know. I mean, but I, still, I mean, you've learned that, right? I didn't need quite an impressive high-pressure washer to get 
the patio <laughs> clean again after like bread, bread pudding and ducks. Yeah. Not a pleasant sight. Yeah, because and this is a this is a bit of a, a a PSA for our readers at home that they don't have the ability to to digest bread and, and gain any nourishment from it. So mm. if you want to go and feed the ducks, you can bring some lettuce, and they mm. and they and they love that just as much. I suppose that makes uh, sense. Yeah. It's much more. Yeah, the problem like, is that a lot of the and they they eat their fill in in in, in duck ponds, but they're actually like. Like their their bellies are full, but they're starving of malnutrition. Huh. I wonder if maybe gluten is the is the word to look at because hmm. no, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, uh, assume that. Obviously, we have we have friends. I would with- like to, the duck would like to speak to the manager. <laughs> Gluten intolerance is a real thing, and it, it, it's a really good development that it's finally become known that some people suffer from that. Like I know people. Who oh no! Have I, just been- I, they love it. The fact that everything like you can get gluten free options, everybody, but like nine out of ten people who claim to be gluten intolerant these days are just like yeah, want this- to just want to talk to the manager. I apologize for cutting you off there because that is entirely <laughs> that is entirely yeah, people who are who are biologically tolerant of gluten. Yeah, you can just eat it. Yeah. It's fine. It's it's nourishing in the same way that, uh, as a person of some arguable Asian descent, I'm slightly lactose intolerant, but yeah. I can take lactase pills. It doesn't work for gluten, though. Uh, no, that yeah. that is that is more because I don't think it's a it's a matter of like lacking certain enzymes that you can just. And I love that this is the case. Like when I take a lactase pill, it doesn't like suppress some kind of biological function or whatever. It just puts lactase enzymes in my tummy. And, and the, the, they'll be like, oh, oh, lactose, here we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, if you don't make enough on your own, store-bought is fine. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, uh, our our visitor center, I, I say our, obviously it's your library, but mm-hmm. it's the, the, the visitor center and the, and the paper mache is largely of my own construction together with my, my new Velibraptor family. And yeah, I think we're... We're actually onto something. Like we're 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 all playing multiple roles. Where sometimes we play the customers, or sometimes we play the vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we're ready to accept some actual guests into right. your into your library. What, I think it would be you, safe. What are you using for currency? It's Much the like the the best science fiction novels that we've read, the, the economy is based largely on mime. Mime Various is a terrible things. thing to taste. That's not even the quote, is it? I mean, I would speak out on behalf of our friends in the in the various physical arts, such as such as mimes. But I have a crippling fear of marionettes, and I'm afraid that that mimes and clowns. I suppose are just they too have close. that same visual aesthetic to yes, them. Yes, they have the Pierrot, yes. the, the the one little tear makeup down the down the eye. That yeah, I'm not a I'm not a friend of the mimes. We're just going to have to crash into it. What do we have in store for our readers this week? Right. This week's book is Robert E. Mills' famous Starfighters. Starfighters. Now, this is my kind of cover. For the readers at home, if you look down at your podcasting device, you should should be seeing the cover of this week's book, Starfighters, by Roger E. Mills. Robert E. Mills. Robert. Pardon me, Mr. Mills. And... It's a doozy. Uh, those of us who have any kind of interest in uh, uh, in science fiction will immediately recognize it because it's such a it's such an obvious knockoff of some of our favorite science fiction. We have a yes. uh, you just look at the uh, the the lady in white. I mean, that's like Xanadu all over. It's like right, yes. yes. Yeah. Well, no huge sword, obviously, but like the the, the proper like laser pistol. Let's call it a laser pistol. One of yeah, the, thi- the, the pew pew. The one, yeah. One of the things that I really like about it, it's like if 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 you look at the uh, the character at the bottom left. Oh, he's such a knockoff. He's got the bangs and he's got the little chin strap. I know, but 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 look at him. This book was like 
published in the early 80s, maybe late 70s. Yeah, and yeah. And he looks just like Ewan McGregor does. It's I like know, almost it's prophetical. How, I mean, this, 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 this cover was drawn well, well. I mean, I think he was born at that time, but he was like just a wee bairn at the oh. time. And so there's no way to predict that, that that's how Ewan McGregor would look at a oh, later point. Now I'm thinking of Ewan McGregor as a, as a wee baby, just, just throwing up two middle fingers because he's already <laughs> practicing for Velvet Goldmine. He's flashing oh, his oh little baby gosh. willy around. Yes. And covering well, himself but- in glitter. Uh, and then we have the, the helmeted chap on the uh, on the right. Yes, like the aerodynamic bicycle helmet. Like, it wouldn't be invented until early 2000s when, like, bicyclists figured that they got, like, one-tenth of a percent extra power. If just they by, cosplay a sperm cell. By, yeah, by regulating the airflow over their bodies with helmets like that. It's it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm so surprised. I'd never heard of Starfighters before. No. It, it's one of those books where it was it was clearly intended just to cash in on the popularity of stuff well, like yes. Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactica, you know, the big yeah. sci-fi franchises yes, of, the, uh, of the 70s. Um, that I mean, it even says stuff. Let, let me see what it says over here. Um, Red Ryan, Nilla, and Dan battle to free the stars from Lord Blorks. Lord Blorks, icy, icy grip. grip. There's yes. no, there's no Lord Blork in there. There's no like these characters just essentially don't appear. It's just a fluff on the uh, on, on the cover. On the cover. Yeah. It's like Mr. Mills must have just been face palming himself into an early grave just because to see, to see what they made of his book. Oh, like so. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was going to agree with you there because writers in that, in that era, like they, they produce the entertainment. They have people. zero input about their uh, the front cover. Right. Yeah. Even these days, it's like writer writes book, publisher commissions someone to create a cover. And if you are a writer in good standing, then occasionally you get to pull a, I really don't like this one. Can you please do another one? I suppose that A-list authors get a little bit more clout in that regard. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, like, because, I mean, they have their publicist and they have their editor yeah, who's working gen- on their behalf. Generally speaking, no. Those artists are not getting paid a lot either. I have no idea how much they make, but I can't imagine it's more than a few grand at most. Yeah, that. I mean, it kind of depends on the, the number of copies that yes. uh, the publisher expects to sell. Well, I know that uh, the uh, the artist who did the uh, European release of Discworld, he was like, oh, well, those are sublime. Yeah, brilliant. Those are yeah. extraordinary. But, In yeah, part was... because sometimes they're very inaccurate. Mm. Like, um, um, oh, what was he? Uh, 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 Four Eyes. The, 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 oh, yes. The, the the foreign the character. tourist yes the, the from from the original X, tourist yes, yes. Uh, yeah was uh. depicted as having four eyes whereas the joke was actually that it, probably that he had glasses except no no no, no, no that never I, said it oh he, he he later came back on that no the, he said oh. he specifically said that he actually had four eyes oh <laughs> oh <laughs> the joke was I, that everybody would think that he had glasses but I I fell for that <laughs> yes. oh good old Sir Terry <laughs> still pulling our leg uh, from the grave from the great and glorious beyond. Mm. So w- this book, I mean, to call it derivative is is um, is very generous. Oh, absolutely! It's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute ripoff of so many it's, different things. It's like if, if 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 I don't just rip off one thing, but I rip off all the things, maybe someone won't notice. Because this was an era where spontaneously, out of nowhere, uh, these these special effects driven um, science fiction products mm-hmm. came became very popular. We had Battlestar Galactica, yep. and we had what was the one with the moon flying away? I don't think I ever saw that one. Moonbase One. 
Oh, yeah, no, never saw it, that it one. It didn't make a lot, of, a lot of sense either. But they had they had theremins and they had flare trousers. And Blake Seven, Blake Seven, yeah. Where eventually, uh, because there was such a low budget production, voice actors were cheaper than regular actors, so mm-hmm. they wind up with like two or three computer characters because uh, then they'd only have to pay voice actors oh, to do those. Wow, I had no idea about that. <laughs> or uh, Red Dwarf. Mm, well, that was late, a bit later. Also a very low-budget production, but they managed to get the, 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 the budget because they convinced the BBC studios, we can film at night. Our crew are willing to film at uh, night. And then we can turn the cafeteria into a set. And then we can, we you can know... just use that, yeah. yeah we can just I mean, they use very, very limited sets, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, the, 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 the sleeping quarters and, like, yeah, the cafeterias and something else and just, like, a few stuff that they mostly nick from Doctor Who, I think. So this was a, this was a golden era of sci-fi unprompted, just out of nowhere. People were just really interested in it just spaceships like and uh, yeah, uh, like westerns it, and space. It went like from something visceral, like Jaws, something real, that's like in, in, grounded in the world, and it's like it's about sharks and suddenly space. Yeah. Out of nothing. And it's all fantastical and earthy and, and lived in, and there was just no precedent for it. It just came mm, out of nowhere. Yeah. And this this book, Starfighters by Roger E. Mills, was just a it's huge just like trying to, trying to write that wave, really. Snag as much of the flotsam and jetsam and Seafoam. Um, no, no, no. What's the last one called again? There's flotsam, jetsam, and one other one. Flotsam, flotsam. is stuff that is floating on the water. Okay. Jetsam is, is uh, stuff that came from ships, so it's, that's washed up on the beach. And oh. then there's one which is sunk and is lying on the bottom of the ship, but I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Treasure. No, 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 no. Yeah, I could see you thinking. Yes. Uh, these, these clicking sounds Derelict, are you just... That's the one. Derelict. Yes, that's the third one. But derelict is also applied to like a, a crewless ship just yeah, yeah. drifting on the on the ship. sea. Uh, oh no! So yeah, flotsam is not the floating float. So flotsam is the sunken one. Derelict is the floating one. I know that's confusing. It is. You'd think that it's like that's really confusing. Hey, oh, no, wait. Now flotsam refers to a sunken vessel whose goats uh, uh, whose go- goats floated to the sea. Oh my god! I'm imagining goats in flotation vests. <laughs> <laughs> escaping from the hold of the Titanic. I wonder how that will apply in space when eventually our, our, our species makes it out into the great beyond of the solar well, system. Yes. I mean, you're going to wind up in this, in this, in this situation. It's very dangerous out there. I mean, there's whole genres of sci-fi uh, attributes that exactly that kind of thing. It's like, you know, oh, finding true. a derelict ship and attaching your own beacon to it. Oh, to you claim a very it as, powerful one. Yeah, to, to claim it as yours. We're talking effectively about space piracy, much ah, like one of the characters on the, on the cover... Uh, who is essentially a space pirate called Apollo Golightly. Obviously a bit of a derivative of uh, Battlestar Galactica and a little bit of James Bond in there. More like Bond girl, really. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He's a, he a bit of a space slut, mm. which I which I like. You know, I have a type. It's not a Victorian magic slut this time, but it's a, but it's a space <laughs> slut. <laughs> no, that was that was Alvin, yes. uh, the sorceress slut That's from episode 19, yeah. which we titled, and I can't believe that we titled an episode, Orson Scott Card's and Gay, gay Razzmatazz. Yes. No, he's, he's charismatic and he's... He's, 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 a, just, he's a swashbuckling rogue, basically. Yeah, exactly. He's got more mouth than is good for him. It's all sort of bullshit stuff, you know? He did the zebra run in less than four parsecs. It's like, what are we talking about? It's like, oh, come on. This writer is just... It is so much bullshit. He doesn't know what bullshit. a parsec is. Uh, he doesn't yes, know that it's, it's actually a measure of... Distance, not time. 
I, it seemed like one of those books that was that was edited as it was being written. Mm-hmm. So rather than revisions on the previous chapters, there would be corrections in later chapters. Oh yes, like the chapter but, where there was there was all that description of uh, uh, superluminal physics, and that when oh, you yes. approach the and sea were, barrier, yeah, they were like retconning it like within the book itself. You know, you yeah. don't even have to wait for the sequel. It's just like I got to say, I love that. It's I love a book that evolves as you read it. And Mr. Mills himself was like, oh, if I just like write this paragraph in, then yeah. that'd be fine. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't consider that. It's about how the, uh, the zebra run, I think it was called, so known because of the, the striations through space, because of all the various uh, uh, gravitational singularities there, which which do indeed warp uh, time space. Yes. Um, so being able to... It doesn't make sense to record it in terms of uh, objective time, because... I think that's a little bit too much. Not retconning, but like uh, retsplaining. Uh, what do you want to call it? Retsplaining. That's uh, a great word. Well, it's actually, it's like if, if you recall chapter four, it was called uh, that because of the, the run to Ice Station ice- Zebra. Oh, it was... Plan- remember, oh, uh, that explains. Remember, it had, it, it had the massive planetary gun on it, which was a threat oh. to everything that came within uh, well I, range of the thing. I misread that. I thought it was... I, I mean, planetary gun. I thought yeah. that was a, a planet-killing gun. Like, oh. a gun that could kill oh, a planet. That's ridiculous. I mean, Who would ever come no, up with it that? No, was, it was part of the Strategic Defense Initiative. Uh-huh. You know, it had a nickname, but it doesn't come to mind right mm-hmm. away. So I thought that Ice Station C or, well, was one of these mobile planet killing platform you you clearly like you clearly interpreted it much much better yes. than i did so it was a oh so it was defense weapon well defense you know it's like yeah basically everybody who comes here is like you better like not mess with us otherwise we're going to blow you out of the sky uh, so that explains why it was powered by the planet's core see i thought they were just going yeah. from place to place and like absorbing the cores of the local solar oh, system i mean you can't move something planetary sized around from one star system that, no, that's, that's ridiculous absolutely impossible and, and certainly like using the the components of a solar system as a fuel source uh, sending a blast across the galaxy that's yeah. somehow visible from planetary surfaces <sighs> don't get me many started light on that. Years away <laughs> no no utter, utter nonsense so no this makes a lot more sense thank you for the thank you for the correction sometimes we miss these things so i like, station zebra wasn't connected to the uh, the strategic defense initiative. Okay. No, it's just like it's more like a smuggler's hideout. You know, a a, a collection of uh, scum and villainy, the likes of which you would never find anywhere in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it was part of the galactic jackery. Oh, yes. um, a, a word that they made a bit I... of an ass of that, didn't they? <laughs> so jackery is a word I learned recently, um, and uh, uh, I believe that I brought it up during one of the lost episodes that we don't acknowledge uh-huh. anymore because technology failed us and uh, none of us want to burden our readers with the, uh, the incredible tragedy of, of lost episodes. Yes. Jackery is a word for like a rebellion by the, the common man. Like in, in, it was a French word, oh, okay. Jacques. Uh, Jacques yeah, yeah. Basically, common people, you know, John Q. Public, mm-hmm. Jacques, Jacques Bonhomme yeah. in, in, in French, rise up. That's called Jackery. So we have the Galactic Jackery yes. or for short, the Galactery, which is not such a successful Contraction. Uh, spoonerism. No. Well, is it spoon- no, it's not spoonerism. Not Galactery. Okay. No. The, the Galactery, um, who are, who are all that stands against the sweeping strategic defense initiative. So that's where, uh, uh, Apollo Golightly, we first meet him yes. in this in this hive yeah, of scum in, and villainy. He's in this little cafeteria in like a, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a rather mixed crowd of general well, low lives, including including his his friend uh, Sach Quaka. Oh, okay, that's like a very small Quaka from Place Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Canada. yeah. <laughs> but they're they're vicious they're, little they're, fucker though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're they're they're, they're totes besties. Let him near your finger and he'll rip it right off. <laughs> I thought it was so cool that they 
uh, that you had this this space alien who was described not as being like wolf like or tiger like, but that it was a quokka like a big a big hairy little quokka, which this is big smile on his face, which he can like hide this vicious thing. vicious like yeah. Those te- I mean, Touch it's your- not carnivorous, is it? The the, well, the real world. I mean, you don't need like to be carnivorous to rip someone's fingers off. No, exactly. One they're, at a time. They're, 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 there's a frightening number of scenes in the in the, in the book where that happens. Yeah, anytime, basically, anytime someone reaches for his drink, you know, he's got this like big bowl like drink on the counter, and he's sitting there right next to it, like oh, lapping do. it. We some, do the same. And somebody like like reaches out for it, and it's like next thing, there's like a flash of light, and suddenly there's a limp on the floor. And in this case, it's just a finger, and it's just like being ripped <laughs> yeah. off by this cute little thing who's just like now menacing, looking at you over his bowl of, of liquor. Bless. I was such a fan of such, such quack, especially that he, that he that he's not ashamed to, to, to ride around on uh, Apollo's shoulder. Mm. He's got a little saddle up there. Yeah, and he's just like... Mm. And if he like goes in the wrong way, he bites him on the ear, and it's just like ah, yeah, just okay. gives him a little, gives him a little nibble. Apollo yeah. seems to like it. I think he's into that sort of thing. Yeah, they've got yeah. a little life debt going on. But we sort of meet him uh, because we're actually following a plain farm boy from the planet, recently orphaned, very, mm-hmm. very tragic. Uh, that's Starbuck Rogers. Bit of a double rip off there, as we can, as we can all see. Ah, yes, uh, who's who's recently come into the into the possession of of two rather funky uh, robots called uh, Tweaky and uh, Doctor Theopolis. Yes, and uh, Tweaky was apparently charged with the secret mission that uh, even Doctor Theopolis can't convince him to uh, abandon. To abandon. Yes. Yeah. So they're uh, um, uh, they've they've linked up with uh, a, a local hermit, uh, a wizard called Adama Adamant. Yeah, saying that ten times fast. Adama, I don't know. Yeah, well, not- <laughs> who turns out to be an erstwhile war hero. Yeah, and they're seeking like, travel off planet, like away from Ice Station Zebra. Yeah, which. It made no sense to me in my initial reading because I thought that Ice Station Zebra was the exact same as Guantanamo Base. Yes. The, no, the mobile not. space station no. with the... Uh, uh, Guantanamo the- Base is much more tropical than uh, Ice Station Zebra is. <laughs> so we have to jump back a little bit in the story yes. at this point. He, I think that would be safest. Yes, because he, he, he gets these uh, the, these two robots, uh, Tweaky and Dr. Theopolis, who have crash-landed on uh, Ice Station Zebra after their yeah, craft yes, has been shot right. down by the planetary gun. And, uh, of course, uh, Starbucks foster parents have been uh, murdered by the faceless enemies, the Optios, uniformed uh, guys yes. with, like, you know, face-covering helmets and everything. Also a very, a very popular trope, like, oh, just yes. anonymize your enemy, like, they're, they're part of the Strategic Defense Initiative. Yeah, you can just shoot them off and nobody really feels for them. Nobody even knows if they're robots or not. And, like, they, yeah, that was yeah, confusing. They've got those like, weird little lights moving in their visors. Yeah, the, uh, the one red light that moves side yeah, yeah. to side in a, in a sort of scanning pattern. Excellent, absolutely. And they call everybody Michael. It's so weird. Yeah. I'm sorry, Michael. I I can't do that. He hooks up with Adama after he he finds his foster parents murdered by the Optios. Yeah, a, a local, essentially a samurai. Well, the way that they're the way that they're describing him, he's, yes. he's spiritual. He's reserved. Uh, he's a he's a master of space martial well, arts. Well, more like a renounced samurai turned Zen monk. I suppose that Mister Mills might have been uh, inspired, like so many people were, by the the period dramas of uh, Japanese television at the time, mm. the Jidai Geki. Uh, which are which are essentially samurai period dramas that were on yeah. television all the time. So the same the sort of sort of values of self sacrifice and humility and and strength in the face of uh, adversity are things that Adama Adamant is, is are trying to teach to uh, Starbuck to Rogers. Starbuck yeah. Rogers, yeah. Not very successfully, I should add. Well, you know, youth and bashfulness will win out of old age and skill all the time or something like that. That saying seems to change every time that you say it. Well, <laughs> it's one, I, of, those, I, I one of those fractal sayings. I tend to adapt it to the uh, situation. <laughs> 
and that adaptability is something that Apollo Golightly is is famous for. So I like these sort of fundamental story, these hero's journey stories that are the essential like a monomyth mm-hmm. stories that we've told for uh, uh, centuries. I should say stories in the West that we've told for centuries yes. because of the, the the continuity from the the Greek and Roman uh, 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 sense of drama and, and heroism, and different cultures, of course, have different ways of approaching that. But this idea that our our hero always starts as as someone who is more ambitious than capable, and over the course of their adventures, meets um, meets characters who represent qualities that they themselves lack and need to uh, acquire, and know, need to acquire yeah, yeah. and learn from, and vice versa. They also like they are in possession of, of of virtues that they don't consider particularly valuable, but that fill a void in the in, in the lives of the people that they encounter. Like yeah. uh, he encounters uh, Apollo Golightly, someone who is uh, uh, closed off to new relationships and and trust and um, self-sacrifice, despite the fact that those are values that he, in his youth, held held very closely. Uh, and it takes Starbucks optimism to to bring that yeah, to have, forth well, it, it takes yeah. him a while to break through the cynical veneer of uh, And we don't think he's uh, ever Apollo going to make it there. Yeah. No, absolutely. That comes back later towards the end of the book. But, uh, yeah. Yes, yes. That's, that's, that's more prevalent in the conflict with... Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Cue an end of uh, chapter scene change to the uh, quarters of Count Shaitan, who is having a strong argument with uh, Commander Eve. She's disposed of uh, rather quickly. Oh, yes, because he sort of garrots her from afar. He yes. The, the telepathic garrotte with the yeah, it's like this little like little whip that like yeah, that he can make he, it sort of float in yeah, the air. Yeah, he makes his whistly sounds, and the whip just like shoots through the air and like obeys his commands. Yes, that's right. <laughs> while his mohawk glows. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> uh, Count Shaitan. So yeah, Commander Eve lasts about three paragraphs into the chapter. I say she left an impression. She was very charismatic. At which point, Captain Artemis is promoted to commander. Someone who is destined to do very well under under Count Shaitan. Like no, he's, yes. he's capable. He's He's unquestioning of and his, he his commander's And he knows to do sadism. as he is told. Yeah. He has a lightning career. It's, Ma- it's impressive to see him over Mainly the due to book. Count Shaitan's short temper. Oh, yeah. He goes through, uh, like, who else we have? We have we have Lieutenant Harkonnen. We have... Uh, Harkonnen. <laughs> we have Captain Baltar. Which other villains does, he, does uh, Count Shaitan... Um, he has a bit of an argument with Dr. Z, who is uh, <laughs> thrown into a pit of some sort of tentacled, toothy monster. Oh, it was it was horrible. And yeah. it would be slowly digested over the period of 10 days. Of, uh, 10 days sounds pretty bad. It's not, yeah. it's not something that you'd expect a, a, a monologue to Oh, well, to that's, that's how it goes. You know, in, in some of the fan fiction, it turns out that because uh, because Dr. Z had a, had a rocket pack, he actually made it out of the, uh, uh, what was it called? The Carlass Pit. Yes, the Carlos Pit. Yeah, and he had a and he had a quite a successful spin-off career in the, oh, in the comics. Okay. So Thing. Count Shaitan, yes. who's who's under the command of the unseen Lord Saris, yes. which is one of those figures like he's he's the, the supreme power, he's the architect of the Behind screen, the defect. screen scenes but like we yeah. don't see him in this book. Like there's no. probably something that was being saved for the, the sequels that would mm-hmm. finally catch a glimpse of him. And then maybe in the in the second sequel he'd become a, a big character. Yeah. And then maybe twenty years later they do some prequels where finally we get yeah, the well, unnecessary backstory. Fortunately this series never Never got that far. No. So I like that the focus was on on Count Shaitan and like Shaitan, also known as a, a Shai Hulud, mm. uh, uh, also known as the Maker. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, he had this little prayer that everyone had to had to uh, uh, recite. I will not fear. Yes. Uh, fear is the little death that causes. Uh, I will allow uh, fear to pass through me, and when the fear pass is through passed, me, only I will remain. Only I will remain. Yes, that's, that's right. the one. And then everybody changes their trousers because they did a little wee wee. Because he is he is very. Sc- I've got to say, like. 
he was described as an intimidating figure, and as the details progressed, it like it did not disappoint. I thought it was just no. a dude in a helmet to begin with, but then he described the length that he was up to 400 feet long. The breathing apparatus. Uh, the breathing apparatus that resulted in essentially a furnace of fire being blasted out. Like yeah. he, was, he was most of the length of any ship that he was that he Sacrifice was on. of a thousand souls every day just to keep him alive. Yeah, rough stuff out there. Yeah, and the command of Lord Saris, who had like, you know, taken... Dissolved the, the, the local municipalities. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, uh, and the planetary powers, and essentially replaced everyone with with optios, who would basically rule the uh, areas directly. Was it optios? optios, optios, yes, optios, yeah. Well, one optio, two optios, I suppose, two optios. Actually, I think it, it's Latin, it's Latin derivative, so it might be optios. Opti- sounds optios. Greek. Uh, Os. It's a blatant ripoff of Roman rank structure, where an optio is someone who commands eighty men versus a, uh, a centurion, which covers yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that what it is? Yes. Oh, that's a really that was a really good reference that I didn't get. <laughs> it was a bit uh, obtuse. Yeah, so it's, it's four fifths of a centurion. That's fucking great. Yes. Yeah, no wonder they had the, the 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 light going in the middle and the and the shiny helmets <laughs> and the and the and the funky silver skirts. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, when you saw the senior option, <laughs> that was so good. So um, our our heroes. Uh, God, Starbuck Rogers and Apollo Golightly and Sash Quokka and Tweaky and Dr. The Optimus and Adama Adamant. He was adamant about having to leave Ice Station Zebra. And uh, off in the in their, their spaceship, the Viper Mark II, yep. off to the... Oh, off to Guantanamo Base. Base, yes. Yes, that's right. Well, they end up at Guantanamo Base. That's not where they were going. They were going to the... Uh, oh, the home of the, the Galakari. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's where they were originally heading. But on their they way over waylaid. there, they, they got waylaid and uh, and ended up accidentally uh, at Guantanamo Base, where they they just sort of lucked into rescuing a princess. That just yes, they to got, be... like they defeat a few optios, and it turns into the the standard swashbuckling adventure <laughs> movie, like you know, invading the the the, the opposing castle and yeah, doing the whole yeah, thing through, like, through pluck and ingenuity, yeah, masking themselves, stealing a few optio uniforms, and that's all where the whole covered faceplate thing comes in brilliantly. It's really handy. You, you just yeah. wander around there and nobody's going to recognize that, hey, that's not Dave from accounting. And just anyone tell some, someone tells you to do something, you go, by your command. All right. And, and then you, you go off and do your own thing skirt. anyway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any, <laughs> any real structure. Well, it was it was still under the command of uh, uh, Dr. Z at the at the time. He hadn't met his terrible face right. in the, the Carlos bit. It was like yeah. he was still running the research uh, development part of uh, Guantanamo Bay. Now, Khan Shaitan and, uh, what do we say, uh, uh, Adama Adamant, they turn mm. out to have... Uh, oh, they've uh, had a past. The student has become the master. They have a bit of an argument about that. They have a very feeble knife fight. Like a monkey knife fight, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know that the slow blade penetrates the shield, yeah. but it's, it's, but it's they, kind of pathetic. But they do that weird thing where they grasp each other by the wrist and then, like, hold on to each other while they, like, like have a stabby fight. Kind of suggestive. Like, Apollo Golightly was certainly into it. Well, yes. Well, he's he's watching it from a distance, and like, of course, like from a safe distance across an open clearing, where while they're under fire by the by the by the faceless Optios, who are hunting them back to uh, to their to to their ship. The, yeah. yeah, they can they can just sort of stand around and like not yes. be struck by any of these. What, well, what do we call them? Laser gun, las guns, las, las guns. That's a las guns. Thing. What's the name of the princess again? It escapes me. Ash Gordon. Princess That's Ash. Princess Ash, yeah. <laughs> They've managed to, like, rescue Princess Ash, which I didn't even know was being held there. Yeah, it was pure coincidence. A, a, a senior figure in the in, in the Galakari, yes. she turns out to be. The one who sent Tweaky on his mission. Tweaky finds out that the princess is held oh, prisoner right. here on, uh, on uh, Guantanamo Bay. Tweaky puts a command override on Starbuck Rogers. 
ship, the Viper, and uh, decides he's not going to allow them to leave until they rescue Princess Ash. Now they have a new mission. That's why they have to disguise themselves as... Uh, uh, as Optios. As, as Optios. Make their way through Guantanamo Base, uh, rescue Princess Ash. Who uh, was so cool and she was so grateful and like I understand that you've really taken time out of here showing excellent management skills by trying to understand the point of view of the people whom she was kind of leading because they, they, they were sorely in need of, well, need of leadership. Well they, they did manage to get to her cell and break her out without exactly. any of her leadership you know. Which, like- which she, she deeply appreciated it's like she praises their skills and she ensures that whenever a mission arises that uh, benefits from the particular capabilities yeah. of Apollo or, or Starbucks she assigns them to it and you're in charge of this now I believe in you Go, go. Yeah, I mean, she was She's less... a affirming figure. Well, you like that? She, she had some choice things to say about the Viper, which were not exactly which flattering. Which were very flattering, and I mean, she... They managed to, like, uh, slip their way out of uh, Guantanamo Base, watched by Count Chayton, who's going like, ha-ha, everything is going exactly to plan. Yes, yes! If you plant the homing device on the Viper. Yes. Turns out that all these hard-fought uh, battles to escape the Optios were just basically a massive setup to give them the feeling yeah. that they were being persecuted and just, like, allowing them to escape. Allowing yeah. our, our plucky heroes to lead the Strategic Defense Initiative back to Ice Station Zebra. The surprising home of the the, Galac- the Galactic Jackery. Yeah. Bringing the Guantanamo base uh, into the range of uh, Ice Station Zebra's planetary gun. That's right! Yes, this is another one of those scenarios, and we've had a few of those happening in uh, uh, in Cover My Ass so far, where our, our plucky, um, um, under-equipped, uh, outnumbered uh, uh, rebels recognize that they, they really don't stand a chance of a straight up assault against I mean this is a, this is a trope that we saw in the uh, in the 70s and 80s in this huge like wave of science fiction uh, 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 epics yeah. that were all sort of based on a um, a plucky like underdog re- dedicating all of their military assets to a to a one on one straight fight with the far superior far yes, economically are, stable enemy uh, right who just only attribute uh, like uh, only assign a very small fraction of their force to this assault because they're obviously easily capable of handling this yeah and through their hubris being defeated, then somehow yeah. this this one this one battle, and this is this is such a stupid stupid trope that you just you throw everything you've got into one battle that affects maybe one percent of your adversary's forces, and then suddenly and you, you've got them on the you run. Call that a win. You've yeah. got, versus you know the, yeah. what they what they do here, which is much more guerrilla tactics. Uh, uh, causing a little bit of damage, the war of attrition. Like yeah. make sure that every engagement that you have costs them more than it costs you. Absolutely, significantly more. Because they can afford to lose people and assets, and you can't. Yes. Until you can eventually like lure them into a trap, where you have your own super weapon that you and then yeah, expense. you blast the Guantanamo base out of the sky with. Uh the, the, the planetary, planetary weapon gun. of Ice Station yeah. Zebra, creating a new dust belt, which is, can, unfor- uh, can undoubtedly be mined for lots of profit. It was immediately mined by the, uh, uh, in, the, in the after credits. What a weird like thing in a book to have an after credit sequence. Yeah, you know, it's how not, you, it's, it happens. But it was sort of glued it's on like to the epilogue. back of the, yeah, uh, back of the book. That, yeah. But after all the thank yous, there was still a couple of, couple of notes on there where we saw mm-hmm. uh, 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 Count Shaitan, who was in his escape pod spinning through the universe. Oh, yeah. I'm spinning! Oh. Um, who, who, who eventually got rescued so that he could start the construction of Guantanamo Base 2.0. Two. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it ended with a with a very perfunctory like medal dedication. Yeah, leaving ceremony. our plucky 
heroes to be celebrated in their victory. As, I uh, think Sashquaka really got like the fact that he got a medal that was twice the size that he was was a bit like adorable. yeah he was so proud of it oh absolutely he was, was like he, he couldn't even carry it but he was just like oh he's a he's a plucky little he probably glued it onto the back of Doctor Theopolis and made him uh, made yes. him carry it around now for him a head cannon accepted I've got to say for something that was so derivative oh, of yeah. products that we really really enjoyed oh it was still very enjoyable I mean, just looking at the the Omega board that we have here now what do we see we see we see Dune Commander what was what was that from? That was obvious uh, reference to Battlestar Galactica. It was great Commander Ad- Adama, Commander Adam, Commander oh, Eve. Oh, that's like, right. Uh, just like to, just gender swap it and turn yeah. the names around. Now Same I get it. Same with Captain Artemis, Captain Apollo. You know, it's like that's Artemis right, being yeah. like Artemis being Apollo's twin. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, oh, twin sister. Good. So I appreciate the symmetry that uh, that he had because yeah, you had Captain Captain Artemis and Apollo Golightly, and yeah. you had. Uh, oh no, it was like absolutely ripping everything off left, right, and center. What a good book. How great. do we? How do we review this book? Oh, I mean, um, it's it's sort of. I mean, what's the theme here? We've got sequels, we've got rip-offs, we've got derivatives. Like, what's it started off rip-off with rip-off. He called it episode four out of the six that he was going to release. I don't know why he started with four. I've no so idea. I, I'll give it four out of six. Four. <laughs> See, we're just not acknowledging seven and eight and the and the potentially upcoming nine. Okay, uh, that's fine. There's been talk about that for years. Yeah, like the best we can expect is the officially licensed sequel novels about General North. Again, lots of hopeful fans. No, uh, we don't appreciate my little anagram there. I didn't get it. North. Okay, you try and make an anagram for no, fraud. I, I, no, like, I dare you. I double dog I dare you. I'm, Speaking of reviews. Uh, we would love to hear what you thought, whether you listened or not. We would we would love it if you left a review on your favorite podcasting app, or if you tell a friend. Because while we love being your dirty little secret, if you tell a friend, something magical might happen. Like all of these colorful little notes on the on the on the board coming to life into uh, a, a giant flying uh, a bird that that uh, lights on fire and that brings magic back into the world. Yes, that's, that's entirely that sounds possible. fantastic. Like, yes, like the phoenix, phoenix rising from the notes. So what do we have in store for our right. readers next week? Next week's book is by Charles J. Barre. It's American Bottom Archaeology. Contribution to the cultural history of the Mississippi River. <laughs> Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we, we only, only judge a book, book by its cover. cover.